Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We can spread that to the world. Let's pray and let's get into the Word this morning. Father, thank you this morning because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. And I pray this morning, the lives of men are supernaturally transformed by the power of the gospel. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So last Sunday, we started talking about the, some of the basic hindrances to answer prayers. Let's go to Luke chapter 11. Let's start from there. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1 and 2. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1 and 2. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. So we find out that Jesus had a lifestyle of prayer. Jesus did not only pray. He had what? He had a lifestyle of prayer. Because many times the disciples found him praying. Many times the disciples found him praying. That is something that you should cultivate in your life. People should find you praying. Don't be someone who struggles with prayer. Have a prayer life. Have a consistent prayer life. Don't be someone who used to pray. You say, in those days, I used to pray. Don't be someone who used to pray. Have a consistent prayer life. Many things in your life will go the right way if you're a person of prayer. Many things. Many things in your life. Don't be someone who prays just in emergency. You know, things are going wrong, then you start praying. Have, let it be part of your life. Hallelujah. You know, many times we teach our children to pray, but we don't pray. Isn't it amazing how you know how to teach others to do right and you don't do right? Like, you teach them to pray, but you don't pray. You encourage your children to study the word, but you don't study. You ask them, have you, have you done your devotion this morning, but you don't do devotion? Now, it's important for us to understand that Jesus had a consistent prayer life. So he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, when he stopped, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And I said on Sunday that it is important that we understand that we have to be taught how to pray. There is how to pray. Because most of us started praying by just observing people. Praise God. Now, for instance, uh, I, I remember when, when our son was small and we just said, let us pray, he would put his hands on his back and start working, you know, and start talking, whatever he was talking. Now, <laughs> now, the reason he was praying that way was because most times, even when we're doing devotions in the house, when I'm praying, I'm praying this way. All right, I'm always praying this way, maybe praying in the spirit and walking around. How did I start praying this way um, my, my dad taught a lot of times he was a teacher basically was a vice principal so most times when um, school closes he, he always carried me to for us to pray before we went back home spent an hour praying and I also watch him my dad prays this way if you see my dad praying <laughs> uh, he will always pray this way 
And so you realize that praying this way doesn't make, is not answers to prayers. It's just something I grew up with. Now most times, most of us pray that way just copying prayers. So you even observe that if you listen consistently to a preacher for a long time, most times you pray in the spirit almost the way he prays in the spirit. And the reason is because naturally human beings copy each other. It's the same thing with prayer. So people have to be taught how to pray. Or you can walk into a congregation and immediately just adapt the way they pray without understanding why they are praying the way they pray. So here, Jesus, the disciples of Jesus came to him and says, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples to pray. Now you must understand something, that John taught his disciples to pray in a certain way, and Jesus here was teaching them how to pray. Now, they reference the fact that John taught his disciples how to pray. Now, let's, let's read on. So he said to them, when you pray, say. Please make sure you get last on this message if you're not in church. He says, when you pray, say. That means that prayer has to do with the spoken word. Prayer is not just making God do something. Prayer is actually communication with God. And that is very important. Prayer is not just making God do something. Prayer is communicating with God. Um, just aside, if you're feeling very cold, you can just let the ushers know to drop the air conditioner because some of you are looking like you're freezing. Alright, so if, if you want them to drop the air conditioning, please let them know. Now, it's important for us to understand that God wants us to communicate. God wants us to speak. God wants us to communicate. So it's not about saying, oh God, see my tears. He doesn't just want to see your tears. He wants you to say something. Why? Because prayer is what? It's communication. Now, let's go to verse 2. So he said to them, when you pray, say. When you pray, say, our Father in heaven. Look at how he says, our Father. And I want to balance this all because I said it last Sunday. And, and obviously, um, some people also misunderstood what I was trying to say about that when I said that when you approach God, call him Father, not necessarily the many titles we use to call God. Now, there's difference between prayer and praise. When you're praising God, when you're worshiping God, when you're exalting his name, you can use all of those titles, all right? But when you come to the place of prayer, address him as Father. And it's very different. The reason I said that is because we have unconsciously been taught that you cannot approach God without praises. That before you approach God, you must praise him. Now, this is where I have a problem with that theology. The point is this. If you want to ask me for something and you feel that you cannot ask me before, you know, you, you can only ask me after you have praised me, right? Come on, are we together? Say amen if you're here. Okay. So, you, 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 so you say, if you want to get into God's presence, that's another thing. You don't get into God's presence. That's where you live. You're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So you're not trying to get into the presence of God. Those are some phrases we need to constantly correct. But let's say, say coming to his presence with praise and all that. You find that in the book of Psalms. Now, uh, if, if you want to ask me something and they have told you that if you don't praise this guy, he's not going to give it to you. Or praise is the easiest way to access this guy. Now, if you start praising me, and I know that you want to ask me something, do you actually think that you have the right motive for praising me? Do you think you have the right motive? Come on, talk to me, church. Do you think you have the right motive? Let's go over it again. You say, if you want to ask God for something, praise him first. And then you can ask him. 
My question is, if you come to the presence of God and you, are ask, you want to ask him for something and you start praising him because you want to ask him for something, do you have the right motive for that praises? No. And what does God look at? Your motive. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? So that's why I teach you, if you want to ask God for something, ask him direct. Keep the praise behind. If you need to praise God, you can use all the names to praise God. Why? Because your heart at that moment is to exalt God. But not that when you want to ask God for something, you are like bribing him with praise to confuse him to the point where he can't tell you no. That's a wrong theology because your motive is corrupted already. You're not praising him because you want to praise him. You're praising him because you want something from him. That's corruption. I know you won't agree because that's how you've been taught, but that's the truth. Are you following what I'm saying? It's like your child. Most of you know how your children behave. I know if my son wants to ask me for something, I know how he behaves. Now, my son is a bit older now. He's getting to 10. My daughter is 5. And he knows he needs to read more than watch the television, but then he still wants to watch television. So most times he'll send a sister to come ask me, can we watch cartoon? You know, so I, 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 you know, sometimes your children always think that you didn't pass through that phase. <laughs> so, I, so, so, so my daughter comes and says, can I watch cartoon? I know he's not, she's not the one who really wants to watch. So I say, who sent you? You know, with children, they'll tell you the truth. And he say, he's carries. <laughs> so I have to call him and say, listen, you don't have to send your sister. If you want to watch, you can ask me directly. How many of you understand what I'm trying to do? It's the same thing. You don't have to send praise. If you want to ask God something, just tell him our father and ask him directly. Is there a time to praise God? Absolutely, there's a time to praise God. But praise is not the bribery to get answered prayers. Because if you're praising God to give you something, you are not actually grateful. Oh, I'll say that again. If you're praising God so you can get something from Him, you are not actually grateful. You are using praises as a formula, not because you are really grateful. Are we together? Are we on the same page, church? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Is there anything wrong with praising God? There's nothing wrong. But praise him because you want to praise him. Don't praise him because you're using it as a formula. Imagine your wife comes and just start healing you. You know, there's a way your wife will heal you. You just so what do you want? You know, in the in, in the real sense, you're not appreciated. In fact, when if she now says, I don't want anything, say I know. Then maybe two days later, you say, Ah, oh, there's this trap I want to buy. I say, hey, I said it. You see, you didn't really value that praise because you know that that praise is a formula to get something. Our praises to God must actually be from a heart of gratitude. Not because we want to use it as a key <laughs> to get something from God. Are we together? Alright, so it says, when you pray, say, Our Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we said it very importantly that God's, the, one of the things that hinders our prayers is the fact that we don't pray according to the will of God. We have our own will. Please, get last Sunday's message. It's very important to make you follow. I don't want to spend a lot of time in revising this. But it's important for us to understand that most times we come to prayers with our will. We already have our will made up. We want, this is what we want. This is what we want God to do. 
This is how we want it. And so when we come, instead of coming to, to pray the will of God, which is already in heaven, we are praying our own will. I'll give you an example. Go to Jeremiah 25. We read this last Sunday. Jeremiah chapter 25. And uh, verse 11, I think. Yeah. Jeremiah 25, verse 11. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment and this nation shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So observe that God spoke to Jeremiah that the children of Israel will be in Babylon for 70 years. Verse 12. Then it will come to pass when 70 years are completed that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, says the Lord. And I will make it a perpetual desolation. So God spoke to Jeremiah and says the children of Israel are going to be in Babylon for how many years? For how many years? For 70 years. Go to Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 2. Daniel 9, verse 2. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books. Which books was he talking about now? The, 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 the prophets, the writings of the prophets. I understand by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Verse 3, then I set my face toward the Lord to make a request by prayer and by supplications. So you understand that first, the first thing Daniel did was not to pray. What was the first thing Daniel did here? Come on now, talk to me. What was the first thing Daniel did here? Was to find out the will of God. So when he found out the will of God, it was easy to pray because he knew this was God's will already. So when you understand what the will of God is concerning a situation, you are not praying with doubts in your heart. You are praying with confidence. I know this is God's will. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So we find out that God wants his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our first approach to prayers is to find out the will of God. What is God's will? What is God's will concerning this situation? You see, God wants to answer, wants to answer our prayers. God is a good God. God is not trying to, to not answer our prayers. God wants to answer our prayers. In fact, most of us go into the place of prayer just for the sake so that when they ask you that, have you prayed, you say yes. You already have your plan. You know, I've had people pray, pray about something and after the prayer, and I say, okay, so what is the real solution? <laughs> I said, well, we just prayed. You know, <laughs> it's almost like prayer is just one of those things. Do you really pray about something and you go to rest about it? You know, sometimes I pray about stuff and thought comes up in my head concerning that stuff, I just tell myself, I've prayed about it. God is working on it. And if there's something, I'm going to go there now, if there's something about the will of God that God wants me to do, God is going to show me how to get it done. So, two things about the will of God in prayer before I move on. The first one is that we need to find out what the will of God is. We need to find out what the will of God is before we go into prayers. Because God is committed to answering our prayers. He wants our joy to be full. John chapter 16 verse 24. John 16, 24. God wants our joy to be full. God is not trying to take away from us. You know, that's something that keeps me so strong in ministry. He says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy might be full. I have this confidence in life that God wants my joy to be full. You 
know, most of us are scared of the will of God. Most of us are scared of, oh, if I follow God, I'm going to lose out stuff in this world. That's why, some, that's why sometimes we find it difficult to commit to God because we're feeling like if we commit to God, then I'm going to lose this, I'm going to lose that, I'm going to lose this, I'm not going to be able to enjoy life anymore. A thousand times, no, God will... Ah, I'm telling you. You see, God will give you... God will put relationships in your life that you never dreamed of. God will take you places you never thought of. God will use you to do mighty, mighty things that you never expected. There's nothing about the will of God that will make you miss out. Not nothing. A thousand times no. I can assure you that. God's will is always good. God's will is always perfect. Praise the name of the Lord. Never be scared of the will of God. I, I said that on Sunday and I'll say it again. I remember in school when people were used to teach us about the will of God in marriage, the way they taught it was almost like God was going to give you a lady you didn't like. You know, like, maybe like you like slim ladies and the will of God is going to be <laughs> three times the size that you normally prefer. It's almost like, you know, the will of God, God will just look for, what, what do you like? Brown? No, my will is red. What do you like? Yellow? My will is blue. We, we were taught that way, so we were very scared in, in allowing God to have his way. You know, because we felt God will not make the right choice. But how many of you know we were wrong? Yeah, we were wrong. Because some of the choices we made with our own calculation. I remember one time, beautiful lady, she teaches on relationship a lot. She came to our school one time. And she taught 100 questions to ask before you get married. I mean, part one to five, CD tapes, uh, cassette tapes then. People wrote, wrote 100 questions. And, you know, plot the graph. Ooh, uh, I'm phlegmatic. You're choleric. Choleric and phlegmatic will not match. I'm sanguine. I'm melancholy. Plotted graph. Root. <laughs> 100 questions. 75. <laughs> At the end of all those calculations, some got it wrong. Because I'll tell you the truth. Only the Holy Ghost knows what is in the heart of people. You must trust them. Praise God. I'm not saying you should throw all of those stuff away. You can plot your graph. But after you've plotted your graph and solved your mathematics, when you come out with the answer, just go before the Lord. Just present it before the Lord. Always trust God's will for you. You know, sometimes in your life, you will not understand how powerful God has worked in your life until you look back. When you look back, you now realize, wow, look at how God was plotting this graph. But the problem with the human mind is that we want to just know how it's going to work. If we don't know how it's going to work, we lose control. And that's a, that's a challenge in prayer. We come into prayer with like, God, don't worry, just sign here. You know, like I give the example, when you're filling bank forms, your account officer says, just sign here, sign here, sign here, sign here. Some of you don't even read. Don't read what you're signing. You just sign because <laughs> you trust the guy praise God <laughs> thank you Lord Jesus let's go to 1st John chapter 5 if you trust the will of God prayer will become a bit easier for you you know I was listening to Kenneth Hagin Jr. Pastor Hagin Kenneth W. Hagin Jr. And he said something. Rema Bible Training Center, 
the, the, the training ministry, the training arm of uh, Canadian Ministries, is has two hundred and thirty schools in fifty two nations. And he said something. Listen very carefully to what I want to say. He said something. He said that when that Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen, started Bible school, he said in his heart, or he told his son, that if we can only graduate 50 people, that'll be fine. And today, Rema has 81,000 graduates all around the world. But it was amazing when Kenneth W. Hagen said something. He says, we did not have a plan for this. He said, we did not plan it. He said, all we just did was we spent time in prayers and we followed the will of God. Now, it's amazing looking at that, that, that statement. Sometimes also you discover that a lot of people plan, 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 plan. At the end of the day, they do not get that far. It is good to plan, but don't plan your life out of the will of God. Are you following what I'm saying? It's good to strategize, but don't take it out of the will of God. You don't really know the future you're planning about. You have no idea. So why it's good to plan, do all of those stuff and all of those stuff, you're still, and I'm going to read that in the book of Proverbs, you're still submitted to the will of God. And that's why it's good to spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer, knowing God's will, going through the will of God. It'll, 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 it'll keep your ambitions. It'll give you new dreams. It'll give you new perspective to life. Look at 1 John 5. 1 John 5. Verse 14. Now this is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. I like that. Now say confidence. Say it one more time. You can't say confidence without confidence. Say confidence with some confidence. confidence. Beautiful. Now this is the confidence. Now this is the confidence. It doesn't work. That's not it. That we have in him. That if we ask anything according to what? According to what? Or oh, say it one more time. According to what? What will happen if we ask according to his will? He hears us. So you don't pray and feel like God has not heard you. You don't pray and say, my prayers did not pass the ceiling. That was the wrong direction. You know, most of us, when they say, where is God? I said this in Padakot Church, people were laughing. They say, where is God? You point up. But you know, if you understand geography carefully, when you point up, you're actually pointing another country. You know, there's up because the world is this way. So. Some people's up is this way. Some people's up is this way. Okay. <laughs> now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know, if we know, surety, guarantee, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So there's the confidence that comes from knowing God's will. So if you're sick in your body, you're not to ask if God wants you to be healed. God wants you healed. That's God's will. So when you pray for the sick, you pray for the sick with that assurance that God wants you healed. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, go to Proverbs chapter 3 verse 6 and I like the New Living Translation. I want to use the New Living Translation. Proverbs 3 6. The New Living Translation. Seek His will in all you do. And he will show you which paths to take. The New King James Version says, In all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall do what? 
direct your path. This is the second part of God's will I'm going to. When you go before the Lord in prayers and you're praying about the will of God, then the Lord will give you the wisdom about his will to make it come to pass. So let me give you a practical example in the Old Testament. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 5. Remember this scripture. Seek his will in all you do. In how many things? I can't hear you. In how many things? What does all mean? Okay. All means everything. Minus what? Nothing. You know sometimes we, we have things we pray about. We have things we sort out with our head. You know, most of us have that compartment, right? If it's this thing, I'll pray about it. If it's this, don't worry. I'm a reverse boy. I understand how to solve this problem. <laughs> no, you know, you do. Just pray about it. One of the scriptures that comes to my mind so strongly is the book of Nehemiah. When um, the king asked Nehemiah, when he came and he was sad, very interesting story about Nehemiah. Very, very interesting story. I, I studied that story. I realized something about Nehemiah and Joseph. One of the things about them was that they were never sad. They were never sad. Nehemiah said, I have never been sad in the king's presence before. Amazing testimony. Amazing. It's like saying that you are a houseboy who has never been sad. I'm not sure the king has always been pleased with him. The king would have shouted, but he just maintained that disposition. And so when he was sad, the king says, oh, why? <laughs> but for some of us, it's the opposite that is the, same, that's the, the, the case. If, you were, if they were to write that about you in the scripture, they would say, I have never been happy in the king's presence before. And then the day you are happy, the king says, what's happening? That shouldn't be the case. Praise God. Now, Nehemiah said, I made a quick prayer to God. I like that. When the king asked him, what do you need? He did not say, ah, king, I have written the list. I need timber. I need meal. I need... No, 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 no. He made a quick prayer to God. Never fail to pray about anything. Always pray. Always pray. Say a quick prayer to God. Sometimes it's just to say, Holy Spirit, I trust you for your guidance. Praise God. Hallelujah. Are you following this now? Just pray about everything. Praise God. Alright. So 2 Samuel chapter 5. Let's go to verse 23. About David. So what are some of the hindrances to prayer? The will of God. If we don't understand the will of God, that can hinder our prayer. Can stop our prayers from getting answered. Take on Samuel chapter 5. Let's read verse 23. Let's read from verse. Uh, what now? Let's read verse 18 first. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephim. So David inquired of the Lord. Look at this. David inquired of the Lord. Saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. Can you, did you see that word there? Doubtless. That's the confidence, the assurance. But you remember that, you remember this story, right? When David went to war and then his family and everybody had been taken. Right? Now, what is the natural thing? If you come back home, you discover your family, your wife, your children... And your soldiers and everybody. And this case, this is a very funny case of loyalty. These are the guys that went to war with David. When they came back and realized that everybody had been taken, the Bible says they taught to stone David. That is how fickle the loyalty of man is. 
If it's not covenanted in the spirit, that's how fickle. You can, I'll tell you something now. This is what I've learned in my life and it's, it's what I'm living by. If you want to be good to someone, just be good to them because the word of God says so. If you're going to be good to them because you feel that they're going to be appreciative, some of the people you have spent and sacrificed your life for will be the least appreciative. I don't know why it's that way. Maybe it's just the devil trying to set up everybody to become wicked, but you realize that the guy you sent to school, the guy you pay his school fees, the guy you train, the guy you do stuff is the one I'll be telling people, that guy, he's wicked. How much is the school fees? Do you know how much he's earning? You know how many people who never worked in your company, who don't work with you, who are not in your house, know how much your salary is? It's amazing. Their word of knowledge never works anywhere except on how much you earn. They can calculate everything you're wearing, what your kids are wearing, just to prove that you're wicked. And I'll tell you this, always be someone who is grateful. Never outgrow gratitude. What did I say? Never outgrow gratitude. Learn to be grateful. Are you following what I'm saying? And don't forget what people have done for you. Don't forget it. Yeah, don't. Remember. Some of you need to remember the person who taught you maths. When it was as if there was stone in your head, you never got it. And this, your friend just took you up and taught you and now you're an engineer. You remember, if it was not for that guy, you would have been an engineer somewhere else. Not the one you are now. It's good to always pick up the phone. Sometimes it's good to call people and remind them. I just want to thank you for this and this and this and this. You know, amazingly, it's a bit of detail, but I'll come back. Amazingly, it happened to me in the last week. Uh, a friend of ours, maybe in the last nine years, we haven't really been in touch. She called me. She's an engineer working in Lagos. And she said, oh, she just called. So I was, oh, been a while I heard from you. He said, I just called to say thank you. I was like, oh, really? And I want to thank you. Because in our Christian faith, when you were a youth pastor to us, you opened your library, you gave us books to read, you shared your materials with us, whatever book you had. Even when we didn't want to read, you made us to read. I just want to thank you for that. It was nine years ago. And I felt very satisfied that someone would be grateful for the fact that I gave them my book. Whilst there are those who have given your book, they've torn it asunder. And then they say, what did the man do for us? Now that God has... Increased in, cannot send us something. I'll say this again, I'll say it one more time. I've always said it in this church, and I'll say it, nobody owes you anything. Whatever hand of love and mercy and sacrifice that anybody extends to you, grateful for it. Because they can choose not to do that. And you can't take them to any court, including your parents. Do they have a responsibility to us? They have. But there are thousands of parents who walk out of their responsibility. Is it good? It's not good. So if you had one that looked after you, it's good to be grateful. I'm sure God wanted someone to hear that. That was not part of what I want to teach, but it's just good. Praise God. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 19 now. Okay. So David went to Baal Perizim, 
And David defeated them there and said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of the water. Therefore, he called the name of the place Baal-Perizim. Go quickly to verse... Let's read on. And they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. Verse 22. Then the Philistines went up once again. Everybody say once again. Once. Say it one more time. Say once again. Once. And deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord. He says, now, 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 this is where I, I'm going to. When David, in the first place, inquired of the Lord, and the, and the Lord says, go after them, do you think the second time David needed to inquire of the Lord? No. But that's where, that's where we also have certain hindrances to prayer. Because once we pray about something once and the Lord gives us an instruction, we just run with that instruction without checking from the Lord if that same situation arises again. But look at what happened here. The Bible says, and, and therefore the Lord inquired of the Lord, and, and David inquired of the Lord and says, and he said, the Lord said, you shall not go up, circle around behind them, and come upon them in the front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be, when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly for the Lord. For then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. Realize that the same situation, but God gave him a different path. Are you following me now? Now, if David had gone the way he went before and he had lost the battle, what would David say about his prayers? Come on, talk to me now if you're following me. If David had gone the way he went before and he, he, he was defeated, what would they say? David prayed and what? And God did not answer. Is that true? That's not true. Because David didn't listen to the Lord. That means that if you were in a situation and you prayed and the Lord gave you a wisdom way and that situation came up again, do not walk in presumption, go before the Lord and pray again and inquire of the Lord. How do I go about this? There is always a wisdom solution for whatever you're praying about. It's, it, it, it's a ministry everywhere. Anything you want to do, just pray about it. I believe, I mean, I can't, I, I don't like using the word with success in ministry, but I just want to say this. Whatever the Lord has helped us to achieve in ministry, in what we do in, a, in, in the local assembly and other teaching ministries, is because I'm someone who really do not rely so much on my strength. I don't rely so much on my strength. I don't rely so much on my ability. If there's someone who, need, who shouldn't be in ministry, probably me, but I don't rely. I depend on the Holy Spirit. And I pray about everything. I, pray, I spend my time to just pray about everything, relying on God. Because sometimes we can get so much strategies on our head, so much stuff on our head that it's almost like we know it. And that prevents us from walking in the will of God. Hallelujah. Especially when we grow up in a country like this where there's so much of calculation, mapping, know this one to know this one to put you here, to put it here. You know, you can connect yourself out of the will of God. I'm going to have a teaching next month called, uh, uh, what's that now? Purpose, Prosperity, and Provisions. How the prosperity of God is tied to the basis where God has sent us. As a child of God, you cannot just wake up and change your direction. You will just get up. Where are you going? I'm going to Portacot. Why? <laughs> See, there's money there. People just uproot themselves out of the will of God. 
Even out of local churches. You know, sometimes you need to be in a local church and then certain things happen and you start living. And you, sometimes you need to pray about where God wants you to be in. And I'll tell you, if you pray about where God wants you to be in, sometimes where God wants you to be in will not be problem-free. Praise God. Imagine the Lord sending us to the island to work, and I'll just get up one day and say, oh, I'm tired, tired of crossing water. I want to go to Lagos. Or something happens. And I say, oh, well, well members, they don't respect somebody. This is boom. You just go off. And you just walk out of the will of God for the rest of your life. Because something wasn't working right. The most important thing to a child of God should be what does God say about this? What's his will about this thing? That's the most important thing to the child of God. It's not just what you want. Because when you became born again, you became a slave of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, I said hallelujah. All right. Okay. So David prayed again. In praying about the will of God, we must pray fervently. Colossians chapter 4 verse 12. I use the remaining 15 minutes to deal with something. Colossians 4 12. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So if we know the will of God, we are sure that we have answers to prayers. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bond servant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect, perfect and complete in all the will of God. That word complete there in the Greek is the word fully assured. Fully assured. Epaphras is praying that you be fully assured in all the will of God. So one of the things that hinders prayers is not knowing the will of God. Not knowing the will of God. What does God want you to be? Can I tell you something this morning? Listen, if, if, I, if I stand in front of you, if you cannot boldly tell me, I know God wants me here and doing this, then you need to spend some time seeking the face of the Lord. You must be sure of God's will. I know the Lord wants me here right now. I know the Lord wants me doing this right now. If you're not sure about that, you know, sometimes people get angry when you question them about such things. Like, Are you sure this is what God wants you to do? Are you sure this is what then they get angry? Say, it's okay, it's okay. No, it's not okay. You have to be sure about what, you, what, you, what you're saying the Lord wants you to do. You need to be sure that's where God wants you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's why it's very important to, to balance up. Especially with couples. You need to learn to work together to balance up the will of God for your life. I, for instance, between me and my wife, I'm the more like adventurous type. I, I, I don't like staying in one place. I want to always go. I want to always go. She's the more relaxed type. She'll take her time to be sure it's God. In Left for me alone, I'm sure I've missed God a lot of times because I'll just go, 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 go. So I'm my personality type is the type that will go and then hit the block and then God will roll you back and then God says, wait for me before God comes, you're gone again and roll you back. <laughs> do, do you get the point? That's why it's important to have mentors and, 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 and people around you who help you to, to see, listen, life is so dicey, you don't want to walk out of God's will. You don't just want to do everything that's so good and you stand before the Lord and the Lord says, I mean, it's like, I didn't send you. It's like, 
It's like making A's in the wrong subject. You want to go study engineering, then you have A in French, A in Igbo, A1 in Asa, then B in Greek, and A1, A plus in commerce. And then on the day of admission, you show your results. Eight A's, but all in the wrong subject. Physics, you never took. Chemistry, you never took. What do you want to become? An engineer. And not just any engineer for that sake. You want to be a plain engineer. I mean, if you know that's a disaster going to happen. Don't be excellent in what is not the will of God for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't be, don't be a, a star <laughs> in another man's assignment. Don't be a star in where God doesn't, don't shine where God doesn't want you in the first place. Remember those guys who did miracles and they came to him and God says, I never knew you. And the guys, they're miracle workers. I mean, I'm sure their meetings will be full. Sometimes the will of God, it takes humility to accept the will of God. Because the average human being has his own plans. Has what he thinks will make him look successful in the eyes of men. Praise God. Somebody getting blessed this morning? I'm sure somebody's getting blessed because these are not part of my messages. Mark 11. Let me go to the last one. We can stop us. Mark 11, 25. How many of you know Mark 11? Popular verse. Say to the mountain. Hmm? Cows down and remove. You shall have what you say. We like that, but we don't progress beyond that verse. Hmm? We don't progress beyond verse 24. 24 says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We like that. But how many of you know after verse 24, there's verse 25? I said, how many people know after verse 24, there's what? There's verse 25. Okay, let's, let's read verse 25. What does it say? And whenever, what does whenever means? Come on, English students. What does whenever means? Anytime. And anytime you stand praying, if you have what? Anything against anyone. What, you, what should you do? Anytime, anything, anyone. Don't forget those three statements. It will change your prayer life. Anytime you stand to pray, any, anytime you stand to pray, if you have how many things? Come on, how many things? Some things. Anything against how many people? <laughs> against how many people? What should you do? Mm, this is tough. This is the number one hindrance to answer prayers. Offense. This is it. Anything. You know, some of us justify offenses. Oh, pastor. You don't know what he did. If I tell you, even you will be offended. I will be, but that's not what the word of God tells us to. The word of God says, if we stand to pray, and there's anything in our heart against anyone, we should forgive them. This is tough right here. 
But this is the number one hindrance to answer prayer offenses. That's why I personally, as a matter of personal principle, I pull out of relationships that always agenda strife. You're always quarreling, you're always funny, you're always. You can't get blessed. You can't get blessed. I keep my heart free of offense, not because of you, but because of the prayers I have to pray. And anybody can offend you. You know, coming to church this morning, some of the bike guys can offend you. Instead of the guy slowing down where they speed break, he, he pumps over it. You just hit the man. So these are our boys. Get angry. Collecting your change while the rain is falling can be source of an offense. You get in here, everything I'm preaching, you're not even listening. Even this offense I'm even talking about, you're not hearing it. How can that man keep me the rain? Am I his mate? Am I his age? Are we age mates? When I was in primary school, the guy would have been in nursery school. If you keep looking at yourself, you get offended. How old is he? Who is she? When I paid your bread price, who are you? Where is you know, when you start asking yourself all those things, you can never walk offense free if you keep looking at yourself. Because why? You would always feel people should give you more honor than you deserve. I can walk into this church and then a guy is working trying to fix the sound system or fix something, trying to get the service ready and I can get angry in my office. How can the old pastor come in? They will not recognize that God's servants have come into this place. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? He says anything. Why? Because the book of Galatians tells us very, very clearly, Galatians chapter 5 verse 6, that faith works by love. Faith works by love. Faith works by love. Galatians 5, 6. Faith works by love. Faith works by love. So if the love work is not in your heart, your faith in prayers will never work. Oh, but pastor, if you realize what this guy did, I, I, was, I was, oh, I forgot that website. I was watching an interesting stuff. I need to look for it because I wanted to talk about it in church. I was watching something on, on TV, a Christian program. Amazingly, this is what happened. This couple only had, this couple had one daughter, right? Am I right? I might be wrong about the number of children they had, but, but they had a daughter. And um, a lady was drunk and ran over this girl. They spent time praying and all that, but the girl finally died. And that lady was arrested. The, the, the drunk driver was arrested and put in prison. And one day this lady began to pray and the Lord told her that you need to forgive that, that woman. And so, you know, it's okay to forgive the person when the person is in prison. At least the person is in prison. So, she forgave. And then the day she forgave the person, she heard on the news that they've been granted parole. She was mad. <laughs> she was mad. You know, it's easy to walk in love with people you don't see. If your friend offended you in school, it's okay. It is when you live in the same house, you live in the same compound, you live in the same street, you live in the same church with the guy who offends you. And the guy is always singing in the choir. Guy makes you angry every time. And then he comes and says, Jesus is the center. You idiot. Come close your eyes and sing that rubbish. What are you singing? I don't understand why they give people... Do they even know the people that are singing? In the church of God, there should be holiness. <laughs> Okay, so 
And the Lord began to deal with her heart and deal with her heart and deal with her heart. And then, long story short, she forgave the, the, the lady finally. They, they got to meet and both of them started an organization together to warn people against drunk driving. But the interesting thing is both of them now work together and they are closest of friends. It can only be God. Because anytime you see that woman, you remember your daughter that died. You know, that's, that's, you see, the reason we cannot walk in love is we have not allowed the love of God to walk in our hearts. Are you following what I'm saying? Especially when you're a single parent, sometimes it can be tough. Every time you see your child, you see his father who didn't take responsibility. Every time the, 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 the landlord comes, you remember if your, your husband has taken responsibility, you will not be here. But he says, if you have anything against anyone, he says, forgive. Forgiveness is not for their good. It is for your good. Jesus never says, if the person deserves to be forgiven. No, there's nothing about them deserving to be forgiven. It's you who makes the choice. If there's anything I've learned in my life that has helped me so far, it is to walk in love. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, offenses don't have a space in my heart. I may be upset one, two hours, it's gone. And one of the ways I train myself is to supernaturally forget. You can actually forget what people have done to you. That statement of you can forgive and not forget, it's a lie. You can't. You can train yourself that way. Don't get master remembering. Say, I've forgiven him. But on Thursday, 1978, 3.32 p.m., I will never forget. Let's just leave it like that. I will never... Ah, what happened? No, 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 no. Don't bother. And that thing repeated itself. August 28th. 7 o'clock, I was wearing a blue dress. Let's just leave that story. I mean, if you use all those energy to remember scriptures, your life will be better off. Don't cooperate with the devil in ruining your life. Clean your brain of all those offenses. Is it tough? It is tough. I mean, as a pastor, do you know how many times I need to forgive people? <laughs> I need to. Are you following what I'm saying? I mean, maybe someone comes into this church in need of help. We rally around the person and then we support the person. Two days, three days, the person leaves the church. And then another person comes needing help. You know what my response is going to be? That is how you people are. <laughs> Two months ago. But no, we, we still treat everybody individually. Are you following what I'm saying? Or somebody comes and says, Pastor, I'm going to be with you. In fact, when God sent you to this land, you are the angel, you are the this, this. And one year down the line, you're no longer in church. And then another person comes and says the same thing. <laughs> okay. Are you following what I'm saying? Can happen to you as a single person. A lot of men have broken your heart. That's why Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He knew you'll be here. They've broken it. In fact, there's no heart left any longer. It's been, you know, when you break a plate in two, you can boot it together. You, you, the first one broke it in two. The second one broke it in four. The next one in eight. Now it's just pieces. It's scattered now, not broken. The heart is scattered. <laughs> And when the next man comes, the guy just took you. I just say, mm. <laughs> I like you. Mm. I want to marry you. Mm. <laughs> you understand that? 
<laughs> Actually, I know. <laughs> Let me stop you right now. <laughs> Do you understand that? But you must allow the love of God to walk in your heart. We all, we all have been offended. We all have been broken. Are you following what I'm saying? We all have gone through that place. We all have gone through the place of betrayal. We're not walking in love because we're strong. We're walking in love because we've allowed the love of God to. Sometimes we're walking in love and in our heart is saying, God, if you allow the real me touch this person, the guy is gone. But I choose to walk in love. So you also use faith to walk in love. Inside your heart, there is anger. That's why when you are praying, you pray honestly, Father, let for me, I will kill this person. And you know. But I choose to obey your word. No, pray that way. Pray that way. Don't pray and start pretending before the Lord. Oh God, I forgive. No, no, say I will kill him. But I choose to obey your word. That's why the Christian race is a race of grace. Last scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. If you have anything, somebody say anything. Anything, as far as can be anything against anyone, whenever you stand to pray, forgive. Now, this doesn't mean it is only when you pray that you forgive. Right. You don't forgive when you pray. Then immediately you leave the place of prayer. You collect it again. No. <laughs> when you forgive once, let it go. Amen. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Who are the them here? Women. Your wife. Not wives. Your wife. Giving honor to the wife. You know, we don't teach this a lot in scriptures. Every time we talk about marriage in scriptures, we're always telling women to submit, women to submit, women to submit, women to submit. You know, I don't like teaching the marriage in church because I actually think that the marriage, the marriage seminars we teach in churches are very one-sided. That's the truth. The marriage seminars we teach in churches are very one-sided. The pressure is on the woman. Keep your home. Keep your home. Keep your home. What should the man do? It, it, we, we almost make it look like, I mean, uh, am I, <laughs> this is where I'm different. We almost make it look like the, the, the man did the favor by marrying the woman. We almost look, it's almost taught as if, if not for the man, the woman's life would be just. So you, you see, you find that most men don't pray about their marriages. Most men don't pray. You say, let's have a prayer for marriage. I say, go. You, they, say, they say, you people should go and pray. <laughs> yeah. You can see a man do something absolutely wrong. And they sit before the pastor. And the pastor say, well, you know, just apologize to your husband. Just say, sorry. Sorry, my daddy. Sorry. So that everything will be. And they, they, they won't rebuke the guy. Why? He's a man. Look at this. It says, give honor to your wife. Give honor to her. Let's leave that. I'll talk about marriage soon. As to the weaker vessel. Now, the word weaker vessel there doesn't mean uh, weaker in the sense of what you think is weaker. Say, I would have slapped you if not that the Bible say you are a weaker vessel. You have already slapped her. The, in the intention to slap is slap already. That is not what it says. If I beat you because you are a weaker vessel, no, 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 that's not it. I'll explain that to you, but let's go. Has been heirs together, look at this, of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Why did I bring this verse? Your relationship to people affects your prayers. Look at it here. You can't have a bad relationship with everybody around you and you are a prayer warrior. It won't work. 
you following what I'm saying? You can't maltreat your wife in the house, not give her honor, disrespect her, do what you want to do, and then in the night you are blasting in tongues. God, not that tongues is going back to your village. God is not hearing that. Are you following what I'm saying? That's how you discover that sometimes for couples who have very good relationships at home, the blessing of God is always upon their lives. Don't turn your home to APC and PDP. Don't always make yourself an opposition party. Your husband says, let's do this one. Your first reaction is no. No, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Say, why did you say no? It's no first. I'll tell you the reason later. But just say, we're not doing it. You just like that opposition. Are you following what I'm saying? Why can't you agree on something? And then both of you are prayer warriors. You now use prayer to be replying each other. Oh God, your words say women should be submissive. But when a woman is not submissive, you know that we need grace. Is your wife you're actually talking to? Is that you're praying? Then she, she hearing will not get up and not pray about you. Oh Father, you say men should be the head. But when the head is behaving like the tail, <laughs> what shall we do? <laughs> it's prayer. These are believers. These are believers. Coming to church the next day and cool, fully dressed. Why do you like fighting? You know, sometimes, even as a man, you might have to humble yourself where you're wrong. So apologize to your wife. Not just apology for the sake of I'm sorry, but apology with repentance. You've got to keep that relationship so that our prayers are not hindered. This is not this is talking about marriage, but it also happens within relationships. You're in a company, keep your relationship going. Praise God. Don't let offenses get in. I believe that if we will stick more with one another, we can accomplish a lot of things in life. You know, sometimes I, I look at some couples and I'm like, the energy you put into fighting, if you put it into a goal, you guys will be better off for it. Then later they recruit the children into the fight. Say, you know your father. People from that part of the village. The village is good, but where your father came from, that circle, it's a bad circle. And then the child is going with the, the dad. You're now here again. Your mother's people. When you grow up, you will understand. They are terrible people. And your children become the dumping ground for your bitterness. So by the time those children are 13, 14, there's so much anger in their heart. Instead of living life, they are living reactionary life. They can't wait to have money so they can oppress their father. They can't wait to have money so they will... You know, some of these, like, I want to have money so that I will take care of my mother. I will take care of my mother so people will know that my mother... You know, some of those things, eh, is reaction to bitterness. It's not that you care. You just felt that this woman has been oppressed and you want to show everybody. It's been 15 years. The woman is still sending you support. Clear off those bitterness from your heart. You will prosper. All this trying to do something so that the villagers will know. Let them know. 
Let the, nobody needs to. The only thing we know is that you are bitter. Let it go. Don't live a life to prove something. You don't need to prove anything. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? Let's walk in love. We can simplify life. Life is not as hard as we make it. Praise God. It's not as tough as we make it to look like. Sometimes you let some things go. The easiest example I can give quickly, my time is up. The easiest example I can give is Abraham. When there was strife, what did Abraham say? Abraham says, if you choose the right, I'll go to the left. If you go this way, I'll go this way. Abraham was the one that brought lots. God did not call Lot. It was, it was Abraham that called him. If it were you, would you concede? You won't. Say, Lot, I was the one that brought you here. I was the one that gave you your first cow. Now your shepherds are fighting my shepherd. I will deal with you. <laughs> no, but when Abraham conceded, what happened? The Lord appeared to him in the night. And says, wherever your eyes see, I'll give to you. What did Lot come out with? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was even the same Abraham that was praying for Lot to be saved. If it were some of us today, God says, hey Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom. Say, wow. God, which Sodom? Is it the one Lot is staying? Say yes. Say, God, I want to thank you. <laughs> I want to thank you because even though justice is delayed, justice is not, you know, you are putting law for God now. <laughs> Even though justice is delayed, justice is not denied. I know you will fight for me. I know, you know, all those fighting enemy prayers sometimes is just strife and bitterness in your heart. Your prayers reveal the content of your heart. Abraham interceded for Lot. And when he learned Lot was captured, he sent his own army to rescue Lot. Some of us will not do it. You can only prove your love when the person you claim to love is in problem and is in danger. The person that has offended you is now in problem. What will you do to that person? That's when we know if you're walking in true love. Because Abraham would have said, eh, Lord, sorry, I heard they came to capture you. Did everything, is everything okay? Say, no, ah, we're in trouble. You know the Christian word. Say, it is well. That it is well means, I, I wish they cut your two legs off. Now, that's why he's our father of faith. We're not just learning from Abraham about his wealth. We're learning about how he walked in love. Amen. Amen. Let's, be, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.